Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm back. I'm back on the podcast. You thought I was dead, didn't you? Well, let me disappoint you. I'm still here. I'm still alive. <clears throat> this might not be the best way to start off this episode. Okay, let me start over. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Zdeněk. I am from the Czech Republic, or Czechia. Uh, I actually prefer if you say Czech Republic. I don't like the name Czechia. Uh, apparently, they changed the name for our country. The politicians did. But nobody uses it here in the Czech Republic anyway. Okay, well, what is Czechia or Czech Republic? It's a smallish country in the middle of Europe. And, in fact, you're listening to 152nd episode of the next English podcast. And I haven't talked to you for about three months. It seems like ages. Uh, I took the longest break in the history of doing this podcast, to be honest. And all I can say is that I, I'm sorry. I, uh, I didn't mean to. I do apologize sincerely. And I hope uh, you accept my apology. I had my reasons, guys. I had my reasons. Especially when it comes to the summer months, you know, uh, July and August. I was a bit busy. When I say a bit busy, I was extremely busy, actually. I was extremely uh, busy. Yeah, that's right. I don't know why I said that twice there, but I guess I just wanted to um, kind of emphasize the fact that I was really, really, really busy. Okay. The last month, though, I could have published something, but I was just a bit, a tiny bit lazy, uh, which is obviously inexcusable. This behavior, these manners, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be more organized and um, just, um, you know, produce episodes on daily basis or Let's be more reasonable here, on a weekly basis at least, and uh, so that you can get more listening content. Um, okay, anyway, first things first. Those of you who haven't listened to a single episode of my podcast, let me just quickly tell you what it is. This is a personal podcast, which I have been doing for about four and a half years That's right, I can't believe it has been this long. Time really flies, doesn't it? So, let me tell you how all this began. It began about four years ago. To be more precise, it was in March 2013. I came across Luke's English Podcast, a podcast for English learners run by an experienced native speaker teacher, Luke Thompson. I immediately became a fan of it because I found it very informative, funny and a, a useful source of exposure to proper British English. That's right. And I needed that at the time. I still need it. I'm a, I'm a non-native non speaker. I'm a non-native English speaker, which means I'm, I'm, I'm learning to speak English properly myself. Therefore, something like a, an English podcast is a useful thing for myself too. But it wasn't just this. There was more to it. More than this. You know what? I'm a qualified English teacher myself, actually. 
I completed my master's in English teaching back in 2011. So I've been, um, I've been a professional English teacher for, for more than five years. So um, how does this all come together? Well, as a qualified English teacher, I realized I had a lot in common with Luke. And this kind of made me relate to him on a personal level, to him and his work. It was the fact that he was so resourceful as a teacher and he wanted to make a difference and, uh, and also because it was apparent that he likes to be funny, he likes to make people laugh and he likes to uh, make things, he, he, like, he is very creative and also that he, his ideas are sometimes a bit crazy, you know, not, not ordinary. The podcast is just different. It's, it has a different feel than anything else. And that's, that's why I suppose I fell in love with Luke's English podcast. And to cut the long story short, about one month later, after discovering Luke's English podcast, I decided to do the same thing, to create Zdenek's English podcast. Obviously, I named it after my own name, Zdenek is my name, so Zdenek's English Podcast, just to be very imaginative and original, obviously, because um, I thought it would be so cool. Uh, anyway, it's, it's not like I, I should change the name now, right? Wouldn't make much sense, so now that, is, uh, now that the podcast is so established um, all over the world, of, of course, I will leave it as it is. Anyway, before I uh, started Zdenek's English podcast, I actually talked to Luke. I sent him an email, if I can remember well. Perhaps it was a message on Facebook or something. It's not important. Okay, I contacted Luke and asked him if I could give it a, a shot to, to the podcast because I felt a bit embarrassed, you see, and guilty to borrow the format of his podcast. I, I basically wanted to do a similar thing. To be honest, I had had some experience uh, running a podcast even before that. But it was something different. They were short podcasts parodying interviews and looking at difference between English and Czech language. And these podcasts were fully scripted, a maximum four minutes long. So this... This was something else. This was something different. I did about 20 of those episodes, those short ones, and it didn't really catch on. It wasn't popular, mainly because I didn't know how to promote it. And also because they were simply rubbish or something like this. But I think Zdenik's English podcast is a completely different story. It kind of caught on. It found its audience there are people who listen to it regularly. I mean, it's not massively popular, but it has its healthy core of listeners, I would say. And I think most of the listeners came directly from Luke's English podcast. And that's because Luke was so kind to mention my podcast on his podcast several times. He gave me a plug and plug or plug. Uh, let me check. You see, sometimes when I record my episodes of podcast, I'm not sure about certain English words. So I have to check 
it on a um, in a dictionary, and that's what I'm doing now. So actually, it's not pluck; it's plug. Okay. So Luke gave me a plug, which means he promoted my podcast. He didn't really promote it. He just mentioned it on his podcast, and it was good enough for his listeners uh, to check out my podcast because they were so curious. And um, yeah, and some of them went over to my podcast uh, because they thought it was interesting or something like that. Uh, they had to come to terms with the fact that I'm not a native speaker and I can't really tell jokes in English like Luke can. He is a comedian after all. I'm not. I'm just uh, an ordinary bloke. But perhaps, perhaps the listeners liked. Perhaps they liked the struggle that I went through in order to learn to do this in a decent way. Perhaps, perhaps they found my own journey inspiring. You know, my first episodes were just were just bullshit. Sorry, I have to say it. Bullshit. They were really, really bad, and you can listen back to them. Actually, you can find them in the archive on audioboom.fm. Just type in Zdenek's English podcast episode two, episode three. You will you'll see the difference. Now it's so much better, and it's because I've been doing this for four years. You know, it must have taken its toll on me. I am still not perfect, but I have come a long way, as they say in English. Okay, I have made some progress. Um, so yeah, I think the reason that these listeners stayed is because they could relate to the struggle of learning another language, and perhaps it was a bit different as well. I mean, there are not many non-native non-natives who do something like this, I suppose. So yeah, um, actually, me. Creating Zenex English podcast led to other people uh, trying trying to do their own podcasts. People like Guillaume from Switzerland, who started his website as well, talktolearn.ch, and Guillaume's English podcast. And there were others like Jose, Jose's English podcast, and also uh, what's his name? Oh my god, I can't remember. Uh, I'm sorry, dude. I'm so sorry. Chris, yes, that's right. Chris's English podcast as well. And recently, there has been one more who has contacted me. Can't remember his name either. Yeah. So, you know, there were others that followed me. You might think it's not worth it putting in so much effort. Um, it does take quite quite a lot of time recording, editing, and publishing the episodes. And there were some episodes which I planned quite in detail. Well, there are a few reasons I do this. I have now come up with five main reasons why I'm doing this. And I'm going to read them to you, okay? I actually made a list here. They do not come in any particular order of importance. I just wrote them down as I thought Uh I just wrote them down, you know, just randomly, just a bit arbitrarily. So the first reason is that I have a creative need. That's right. Ever since I was a little boy, I have always made games, competitions, created 
a website. I, I had a radio. I um, make games, especially board games. Now I'm 33 and nothing changed. I'm still the same. I'm developing a board game, actually. If you want to know more about it, why don't you have a listen to episode 149 called A Chat with Sean, uh, where you can find out more about it. Um, okay, so that's the first reason I have this creative need. I need to do something. I need to create things. Okay, just something new, something original. Uh, my number two reason is that I enjoy having an audience. Who doesn't, right? I always like to make other people laugh, and uh, it is not always easy, especially when I have to do it in the second language, right? English is not my first language, so it's good to have audience. It, it's good to have some people who listen to you. I have to admit that it's not necessarily because I make people laugh. I mean, I do hope that some of my episodes are funny or have some elements of humor, but it's also because I speak English and people just... People want to have exposure to English. People want, people want to have some listening practice. And I guess this is what this might be about as well. Okay. Um, so that's my second reason that I enjoy having an audience. My third reason is that I like to challenge myself. I get bored if I can't see an objective in front of me. Or if the objective is not challenging enough. I suppose I'm a bit of a masochist. I often choose the most difficult path in life in general. Are, are any of you like that, guys? That instead of just taking the easy way, you pick you pick the hardest way because you get this sense of achievement if it if it uh, all goes well, you know. Whereas if you just take the easy way, you almost feel guilty that uh, you succeeded because it's as if you should have gone for something more difficult, more challenging. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Um, I suppose uh, whatever this is about, I am also competitive by nature. And if I have an easy win, I do not really value it. It does not make me proud of myself, you know. So that's why. Okay, my number four reason is that this is this genuinely helps my English. I do use English every day as an English teacher. I might use it more than my native tongue, actually, which is Czech, because I'm from the Czech Republic, or Czechia, if you will. Please do not call it Czechia. I hate this, okay? I'm just saying this because, yeah, I told you, because some stupid politicians from the Czech government decided that it would be a great idea to make the country's name shorter for some business reasons, or I don't know what. Even though everybody, everybody knows it as the Czech Republic. And it's just ridiculous. I hate this. It sounds like Chechnya or even Russia. I mean, nothing against Russia. I have some Russian friends. I like Russians, in fact. But why, why do we have to have a similar name to Russia? Okay. Anyway, I'm getting carried away here. Uh, I wanted to tell you my, what my fourth reason is. And I was talking about the fact that it may, it helps helps my own English. Okay, um, yeah. Uh, so I, I use a lot of English in the classroom more than more than my mother tongue, but I also use a lot of English in my free time because I, I enjoy it and because I know I need I need to work on it. 
you know, because the classroom English is not the same as, as the real English. It's kind of in, you know, inauthentic and it's very specific. I often speak about the language itself and I also kind of tend to speak slower because I want to make myself understood by my learners, by my students, I mean. So, you know, that's why. So I don't kind of speak at my best, I suppose. I have to grade my language, you know, downgrade it, simplify it so that my students would understand what I'm talking about. So it's good if I, if I can work on my English in my free time as well. One of the things I do these days is to playtest the board game I've been working on. The, the game called Kingdoms of Deceit. Uh, you can Google it. A friend of mine actually, um, he made a tutorial video. on. You can find it on YouTube. Just type in Kingdoms of Deceit. And this tutorial will teach you how to play. Okay? So I actually kind of found a community of uh, Kingdoms of Deceit players on Tabletop Simulator. I've got a couple of friends who, who enjoy playing this with me. And a lot of them are native speakers. Most of them are native speakers. And it's it's really cool that I found these guys who are into my own game. And I also have a wonderful opportunity to communicate in foreign language. It's just amazing. I'm killing more birds with one stone. So, And also, I, I found some friends doing this podcast, you know. Some of my listeners kind of grew on me. And... It's cool. It's cool to exchange messages and emails and stuff. So how does this help my English? Well, in many ways, it improves my fluency. Maybe not this particular episode, because, well, to tell you the truth, this one is kind of scripted. I am reading out a lot of what I'm saying, because I thought I would prepare this one. But a lot of my other episodes are unscripted. In most of uh, my episodes, I actually improvise. Okay, I just speak off the top of my head. Um, it's not always perfect. I end up making mistakes. You know, I sometimes go off the tangents. It, it's a bit incoherent, what I'm saying. Uh, sometimes my pronunciation is off. Sometimes I just, I just can't say what I want to say. I stumble over my words. Um, I stumble across my words, stumble over my words. One of those two, that is a task for you. Check which uh, phrasal verb is correct. Stumble over or stumble across your words. It might be the case that both of them are right, actually. Yeah, what I'm trying to say is that sometimes, you know, I, I, I'm not fluent. I uh, make mistakes. Um, so... That's it. It improves my pronunciation as well. Okay. Because, again, I can focus. I can prepare things. And then just try to do my best to record what I'm saying. And because I know this will get listened to, I really make extra effort than I normally would if I was, for example, in a pub speaking to my friends in English. This is different. I know I have to do my best because otherwise it wouldn't get appreciated enough, right? Makes sense. So I'm doing this to push my own English. Um, okay. And the fifth reason is because I believe this can help you too, guys. I can get more exposure to it. Uh, you can get more exposure to English. Okay. 
you might point out that I am not a native speaker and that you would rather listen to somebody whose English is infallible, whose English is just, you know, perfect. First of all, nothing is perfect. And second of all, um, perhaps I'm not a native speaker, but you can still benefit from listening to my episodes. Maybe for some of you, it's easier to listen to me. Maybe I use simpler structures, even though I try to throw in occasionally some more complex ones. And sometimes they might be too complex, actually. I might sometimes be speaking like an academic, because which is, which is a common, um, common thing that happens to non-native English teachers. They do not sound very authentic. That's because they have read a lot of books, have written a lot of words in English, and then... Naturally, if they don't have enough speaking practice with natives, they end up speaking a little bit like academics, you know. So perhaps I'm sometimes guilty of this. Who knows? Uh, but at the end of the day, this is English. And I'm a qualified teacher with more than seven years of experience. I know what I'm doing. I know my audience, as they say. And I think my own English is generally accurate in terms of grammar and pronunciation. I may have a bit of accent, you know, a bit of Czech accent, although I do hope it's it's not too strong. But I would say that my biggest weakness is probably vocabulary. I could do some work on collocations, phrasal verbs, idioms, etc. But it is what it is. You know, you get what you pay for and you pay nothing. So, you know, Anyway, the rule of the thumb is, if you are C1 or lower level, I think you can benefit from listening to my English. You can learn new vocabulary, improve your own pronunciation, and um, work on developing your listening skills, and so on. If I happen to make a mistake, and as I said, I do make mistakes on the next English podcast, then just, why don't you use this as an opportunity to notice it, Think about how it should be said correctly. Uh, you can even write me a message if you notice that I keep to keep making some mistakes um, repeatedly. It would be really cool, actually, to get some feedback from you. You don't have to feel embarrassed about it. You don't, don't be shy. Just tell me. I can take the criticism. It's good. It's good if, if there is some constructive criticism, you know. Don't don't just say you're rubbish. Uh, your English is terrible. I don't want to listen to you anymore. And how how on earth did you think you could do a podcast like this? Don't say that. It would make me feel a bit sad. But you can say, Zdenek, uh, I think um, you make this and that sort of mistake. Um, try to work on it, and I will. I promise I will. If if you if you talk to me like this, I'll gladly I'll gladly take it from you. So, this is the next English podcast, and these were my reasons for doing it. Where can you find the episodes of the podcast? Well, you can find them on audioboom.fm. This is the host for my podcast, and I'm very grateful that I can uh, store my podcasts on this server. And it's where you can find the archive of the old episodes, too, on audioboom.fm you can find 151 more episodes in total there. Can you believe it? So many. Just search for Zenex English Podcast. 
There is also a Facebook group with about 800 members. I think it's good to be a member because as soon as I publish a new episode, I post it on Facebook. So people can comment and give a thumbs up and so on. And believe it or not, every single like I get makes a difference. It motivates me to be more productive and generally put more effort into making new episodes for you. Without any feedback, I would not enjoy doing this. And the feedback can be very, very simple. Just say, I've listened to the episode, I think it's good, or it was interesting what you said about this and that. Uh, you could, you could, as I said, you could point out the mistakes I make. Yeah? Don't worry, I will not feel picked on. Just, just say it. All right? Uh, you could ask me questions to find out more about what I was talking about. And so on. Okay, that's it for this introduction. It has been too long. Now let's dive in into the main content of this episode. This episode is called Taking the Delta. And it is all about the Cambridge Delta course experience, which I had in July and August this year. Altogether eight weeks, I took a full-time Delta course in Prague. Yes, that's right. I did do that. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why on earth I decided to embark upon such a per- perilous, per- uh, perilous journey. Dangerous journey. Okay, that's what I tried to say. I, don't, I have no idea where it came from. And I have to say, it was so eventful and so emotional that I find it more than appropriate to dedicate the whole, a whole series to this on this podcast. I don't know how many parts it will have, but I bet quite a few. And this episode is fully scripted. I wrote the whole thing, although the truth is I do go off the script sometimes. So the reason it took me so long to record this is because I I was a bit lazy. And also I thought, you know, just I thought I would take a break, just one month off. And it, it sort of gives me a different perspective to see things with a bit of distance, you know? Do you know what I mean? And it also brings me to another reason. Yes, I'm traumatized. Yeah. I get, I still get occasional dreams of me writing an essay, waiting for an assessed lesson to be taught, or simply attending an input session in which I have no idea what is being talked about. And when I asked a question... I just I just can't possibly give a sensible answer because it's not in my head. I have no clue what the hell the teacher is talking about. Anyway, I think I'm, I'm getting carried away, okay? This particular episode is part one of uh, the series called Taking the Delta and it is subtitled The Introduction. As you might expect... I won't go into a great detail in this one because it's called the introduction. Basically, I'll tell you what the delta is. Uh, I will tell you what the de- delta is. I like I like uh, how they put there the linking. Uh, I'll tell you what the delta is. Delta is. Okay, you could say delta is, but in rapid speech, um, it's delta is. I really like that. If they say, I saw it, instead of, I saw it, I saw it. 
So I'm going to tell you what, what the delta is and explain my reason for taking it. So in other words, this won't have much content as, as such. I won't tell you about my experience yet. It's more about just to prepare you for it, okay? So the follow-up parts will be more about my feelings and more about how I did and uh, what was hard and what, what was easy and so on. Not much was easy. Okay, this is a bit of foreshadowing for you. So I'll try to make sure you understand what the Delta is first uh, and why on earth I decided to have a go at it. So what is the Delta? Um, you know what? I'm going to go to a website, cambridge.org. Okay, let me type it in, cambridge.org. And we're going to find uh, some more information about the Delta. Just the basics so that you, uh, you know what I'm talking about. I thought I had this ready. I didn't, apparently. So here it is. I'm, I'm quoting for cambridge.org teaching uh, teaching uh, dash English slash teaching dash qualifications slash Delta slash. So uh, you can deepen your knowledge and understand English language teaching with, with Delta. An advanced blend of theory and practice will help you to develop professionally. It gives you skills and techniques that, that will help you throughout your career. Uh, so they're talking about the teacher's career, obviously. Delta consists of three modules, which you can take together or separately. In any other, uh, excuse me, in any order at any time. It's a flexible modular qualification. You study, you study at your own pace and the practical elements take place in your own workplace. Well, because I took the part-time course, uh, it didn't actually... Uh, take place in my workplace. However, um, it was the other way around. Uh, they organized some classes for us and I taught there. So I took the module two, module two course, uh, which is the hardest one, I suppose, of them all. And also I got a lot of um, like seminars, you know, called input sessions related to module one, which is uh, the exam you have to take. So they were preparing us for that as well. It was two months of um, struggle and a lot of work. But I'm still telling you about the Delta the, from the official website. So I shouldn't get sidetracked here. Delta is for teachers with at least one year's experience. Well, it's not enough really. You should have more if you want to do the Delta. It's suitable for teachers in any context working with any age range young learners, teenagers, or adults. You have uh, the opportunity to focus on a specialist area of study as well. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the module three. Now, with Delta, you show your employers that you have a good understanding of language acquisition systems and skills, uh, that you have a good understanding of methodology and approaches to teaching, learning, and assessment. That you, have, uh, that you understand and can apply the key principles of syllabus design and course planning. That you can reflect on your current beliefs and practices as a teacher. And here are some reasons to choose the uh, Delta. 
to take your career to the next level by showing you, uh, uh, by showing you have what it takes to progress into the current role or move to a more senior role. Um, another reason is that you choose from a range of flexible and convenient study options, including full-time and part-time courses with face-to-face -face online and distance learning options. So I took the part-time course face-to-face. To deepen your knowledge of English language teaching by extending your expertise in a specialist area. So this is the Delta. So I think you have got some basic idea what it is now. Okay, I hope you have. I hope I managed to raise your awareness of what the Delta is. And now I'm going to give you my own personal reasons for doing the course. They might differ a bit from, from what is officially written on uh, Cambridge English website, okay? Again, I wrote this down, so I'm reading from the script. So, the job of an English teacher is not the most ambitious job you can have, especially considering the money you earn, and also the prospect of promotion and career advancement. While it might be suitable for a woman, because you can do some work at home, while looking after the children, you can go on maternity leave and then easily come back. For men, this is not always ideal. I hope this didn't sound sexist. I just believe it's common practice, actually, that, you know, women, they often appreciate this job for this very reason, because it's kind of flexible with your time. And you can, well, for example, if you mark the tests or something, can take it home, do it at home, you know. I don't want to sound sexist. I don't want to suggest that it should be women who look after the children. And yet, there is a part of me who believe this is the way it should be. But, you know, we live in a different world now. It's Women are emancipated. They can do what the hell they want. So, you know, don't judge me. Okay? Um, but men, I believe men are a bit different in this. They like to build things, to conquer. Uh, you know, just... Just by nature, we're ready to fight. But when you teach, you can't always do this. The best case scenario is that you teach a bunch of people who are grateful to you in the end that you have developed their English. You can't always see the progress. You can't always see. You can't always um, kind of bask in the in your own glory. You don't always get this sense of achievement. It comes, but it comes later. So if you are a builder, you build you build a house and you can immediately see see what you did, you know. So it's not always easy to teach. Um, you can notice this after years of hard work, but it doesn't always happen. Some students just are unteachable, you know. They don't make progress for various reasons. They're not motivated enough in most cases. And I do consider myself mildly ambitious. I mean... Nobody wants to be a bad teacher, right? But I'm one of those who needs to make a difference. I do genuinely want to be better than average. Now, you might argue that any any person would say it, but most of them, most of them, they do nothing for it. You know, I want to be good at what I'm doing. I want, I want my students to enjoy my lessons and learn something in the process. I want them to say, in my opinion, Zdenek was a, a, a better teacher than teacher X. He taught us more than teacher Y. 
we had more fun with uh, with Zdenek than with teachers at. You know what I mean? I'm very competitive. I think it is nothing unusual. Most people have this this internal drive about. So you, you get you get it, yeah, don't you? I want to make a difference. About a year ago, I published an episode about a Cambridge course for teachers I took called SALTA. SALTA is is uh, what what you have to take before you take Delta. Basically, it's it's easier, much easier version of the Delta. It's pretty widespread. A lot of people do it. It's it's um, recognized and acknowledged Cambridge qualification. And I got a pass B, which suggested that I'm a better teacher than average because pass B is awarded to only really good teachers. There's also a pass A, but it was kind of out of my reach. Pass B is really decent for a teacher taking CELTA. So one of the reasons I took the Delta was because it challenges me, you know, it really does. I do have a master's degree in English teaching, in fact. I I graduated from university and I had to do a lot of work there to get it. Five years of studies at university. The thing is, though, I enjoyed it so much that looking back, it wasn't as much hard work as, as it could have been. It didn't push me. To my limit, so to speak, you know, because if, if you enjoy something, you naturally do it. It's kind of, it's, it kind of becomes normal for you to study. So it didn't really push me. I mean, it, it gave me a lot. I, I, may, I did a lot of work, but I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. It's just, it wasn't, it wasn't super hard for me, you know. I was doing really well. I, I even earned myself a scholarship. In three out of the five academic years, um, I got regular payments, which were awarded to students with excellent study results. So I, I basically received money for studying. Usually it's the other way around. You have to pay for the tuition, but I got some, um, I got some money actually for studying. So, you know... Most of my grades were pretty much A's or A A minuses. So I was given money for study results and I didn't even have have to do much, you know. It was all easy. I mean, I did read a couple of books, prepared for certain exams. I even wrote a master's thesis. Yeah, but it was all feasible. I I always knew what I was doing and I I always had confidence in myself. I knew I could do it. I, I I often helped my schoolmates, especially with the linguistics, which was my favorite um, favorite module. This was my strongest discipline, yeah, linguistics. You know, like phonology, phonetics, uh, morphology, syntax. I loved syntax. Oh boy, I did. Um, I always enjoyed analyzing the language. You know, just looking into into the details, um, just trying to understand. How it how it works and the sentences how they all make sense and the function the the, the form and the function of the language it's it was always really exciting for me I I would say I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to this anyway the delta as much as you can argue that it is less work in the long run considering the part time course nature and the fact that it is done by native speakers it is bloody hard. Because you have to do immense amount of work in just two months 
There's a dog in the background, you can hear it. It seems to be fighting something, you know, it seems to be growling and barking violently. Perhaps this dog doesn't like the fact that I'm talking about the Delta. Uh, anyway, where was I? I was trying to compare the Celta and the Delta in terms of difficulty level, and it's like comparing apples and oranges. I thought I knew what I was getting myself into. I thought I did. I talked to people who took it. I read about it online. Everybody said it was doable and that I, in particular, have what it takes to be able to do it. People generally try to encourage me. Well, I didn't decide to tug the Delta just to add another string to my bow or boost my ego, although it does look nice on, on the CV if you manage to achieve this. So I guess part of me wanted to do this for the very reason, for this very reason. I decided to have a go at it because I know this can significantly increase my chances to get a job abroad in my dream country in England, or in fact anywhere in the world. The Delta is a widely recognized qualification. This dog just won't stop barking, will it? Okay, are you enjoying that, listeners? You enjoying this uh, this sound of a dog? It's my neighbor's dog, I suppose. And I have no idea why why it's behaving like that in the middle of me recording an episode of the podcast. Um, it's highly, highly inappropriate, and they should discipline the dog. All right. Um, I can't do it. I don't have the privilege. I don't have the the rights to do it. It's not my dog. It's my neighbor's dog. So I can't. Uh, Where was I? Yeah, I was talking about uh, doing the Delta and um, how it can increase my chances because it's it's, um, it's an acknowledged qualification in the world. It's a Cambridge qualification, right? So, yeah. If you have successfully done it, people know you. What? What? It doesn't make sense whatsoever. What did I write here? If you do the Delta... Um, oh, I see. I was, I, was trying to, I was trying to insinuate that um, it's, it's so, it's so uh, recognized and acknowledged that people... Be, if, you manage to, if you manage to get the Delta qualification... People know that you must be a good teacher for some reason. Although, ironically, if you study for five years at a Czech university, even graduating from it with great marks, people don't realize that you can speak English too and that you can do a good job teaching English. It is ridiculous. But that's how it is in the world, you know. It's hard to compare the universities, that's why, I guess. You know, it's... That's why uh, if you want to work abroad, it's a really great idea if you have one of those Cambridge qualifications. Because it's kind of standardized, you know. People know where you come from. People know that you know something, especially when it's the Delta. I mean, Salta, anybody can take, take the Salta. Anybody who has good English can can become an English teacher just by taking the Salta. And it's just one one-month course. And it's doable. So if any of you have really high level of English and you consider consider uh, teaching it, then 
the Celta is really a wise move. All you need is just see one level of English and then they will teach you everything. Okay? So, but I'm talking about the Delta here. Mm. Sometimes if you compare the standards of education in different countries, you have to come to a conclusion that you can't blame the foreign employers, you know, for, for not trusting the non-native speakers. You have to understand their cautiousness. Um, why am I speaking about this? Well, as you know, and I have mentioned this here a few times, I would like to go abroad and teach English there, if possible in England. If not, I might go somewhere else. I would like to try my hand at this to get to another level, to push myself even more, to have another challenge. And because I'm genuinely not happy with where I am in my life now, I need to move on. You see, I am not a family man. I like to conquer, compete, and most of all, I like to win. And I don't feel like winning being an English teacher in the Czech Republic. That doesn't mean I'm not enjoying doing this job and I don't have good time teaching my students here. I do have some wonderful students, for sure. I do, and we get on extremely well. It's just, it's just I need to move on to try something else, something less secure, something more unpredictable, something adventurous. And I would like to pursue my dream in England while I still can. I believe I'm still not too old for it, you know, because it's generally a good idea to travel abroad when you're young. But I believe at my age, I can still do it. And I have been there already. So I know what to expect a little bit. You know, I've been to England. I lived there for, for about 17 months when I was 21, 22. And although this is not the same because I'm genuinely interested in a teaching position now, I will not do with any job like I did back then. Um, I still think I still think I can do this. Anyway, even if it doesn't work out for me, I can try another country. Maybe yours, somewhere in Asia, South America, another place in Europe, United Arab Emirates, you name it. The bottom line is I need to get the hell out of here. When? As soon as possible. And that's why I paid the extortionate money for the Delta course this summer. It was a lot of money, guys. I, I, I can't even tell you how much money it was. Just You can check it out yourselves on Cambridge website. But for someone like me, not earning, uh, not having high salary, it is a lot of money. Okay, well... That's it for this episode. I hope I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you understand what the Delta is. It's been too long already. And I have reminded you what this podcast is, who I am, how it all started, and why I do it. I explained my podcasting, podcasting absence to you. And then I gave you sort of an intro to this series, which is called Taking the Delta. I explained what this qualification is about. I cited even I even cited from the Cambridge website. I gave you my reasons for taking the Delta. And next time I will tell you how it was. I will talk about my feelings, about the, the particular challenges that I faced, and about generally how I did, you know. I'll probably need more episodes for it, as I said. Right now it's hard to predict how many. Um, so, 
on the whole, I, I, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you're glad that I'm back. Um, don't forget, I can't do this without you, without your help, without your response and feedback. There is the Facebook group. You should join if you're still not there. Uh, you can post comments. You can give me a thumbs up. And it does make a huge difference, as I said. I do this in my free time. I do it for free. That is why I need your support, guys. I need you to show me that you're interested in me producing the episodes. In fact, if you want to help me, why don't you tell your friends, share uh, share this episode on Facebook wall or do something along those lines. I've been Zdeněk. You've been listening to Zdeněk's English Podcast. And until next time, bye. Bye.